All right, we're going we're gonna, to, as you all notice, we're going to study this morning. We're going to study the Word of God. Okay? Um, are, you, are you ready to study? You want to study? Okay. All right. Welcome, friends. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I'm happy to be here to share God's Word with you. Now, um, we are living in the time of the end, and we are moving towards the end of time. Uh, if you study the book of Revelation, you'll see there'll only be, there's only going to be two groups in the end of time. And uh, there are two women in the Bible. Now, who does, who does a woman represent in the Bible? The church. Okay, so there's two women in the book of Revelation. In chapter 12, there's a woman dressed in white, and uh, she represents the true church. This church is known as the remnant then there's another woman dressed like a prostitute and she's riding a beast and uh, that's in revelation chapter 17 and chapter 18 and it is known as babylon now the word babylon what does the word babylon mean it means confusion all right now um, we need to make sure in what group we fall or in what church either in the true church or in the false or counterfeit church all right now, there are many characteristics of the true church, and um, I'll just mention a few. One of the characteristics of the true church is that they will give the three angels messages. That is the last message that will go to the world. That's in Revelation chapter 14, um, in particular verse 6 and 7. And, uh, but there are two particular characteristics of the remnant church that the devil hates. He hates it so much that he actually makes war against those two things okay okay am i working thing right there we go okay okay those are the group known as the remnant they give the three angels message of revelation chapter 14. um if you are in the in the Babylon, you're going to receive the mark of the beast if you stay there. But the remnant also has a mark. That mark is known as the seal of God. The fourth, the fourth thing is that the two things the devil hates is that they have the law and the testimony. All right? Which is found in Revelation chapter 12, which we will read just now. Okay? Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17 says, and the dragon, who is the dragon in the Bible? Satan or the devil, that's in verse uh, 9 of the same chapter. Um, the dragon is wroth with the woman, and he went to make war with the remnant of a seed, which keep the commandments of God, and they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the testimony of Jesus Christ? Revelation chapter 19 verse 10 says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, um, I'm going to make use quite a lot of the spirit of prophecy. Um, you know, God has given us a great light. But the spirit of prophecy is the lesser light. Okay? The reason why God has given us the lesser light is because the church has moved away from the great light. Especially the Protestant world. They have apostatized from the great light. And God has given us a lesser light to lead us back to the great light the Bible, and the Bible only. Just like my glasses. These glasses does not take the place of my eyes. 
It just helped me to see better. So the spirit of prophecy does not take the place of the Bible. It is just a greater unfolding of what has already been revealed. It is to amplify. It is to clarify. It is to simplify. It is to specify. It is to magnify. It is to edify. And even to rectify when we err from God's word. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Now we're living in a world um, with many religions. There are hundreds and thousands of religions. There is so much confusion. And the three main religions is Judaism, the Jews, Islam, the Muslims, and Christianity. But even in Christianity, it's so divided. You can take 10 to 20 churches and you ask them to do interpret certain scripture or passage of scripture or topic. You'll come to so many different conclusions, some even opposite uh, conclusions and contradictions. That's, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable. And um, so I want to address this message, you know, uh, regarding this thing. Um, you know, people have different views, opinions, interpretations, and deliberations, and uh, arguments, and uh, we need to ask ourselves why. Why are there so many different interpretations and so forth? Are we there? Why are there so many interpretations? Okay, what is the problem or where is the problem? Okay, someone once said that the heart of the problem is the problem with the heart. Right? What, what is the heart? When the Bible talks about the heart, what is the heart? The mind, okay? The Bible says in Proverbs 23 verse 7, as, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so easy. Okay, where does you do the, where do you do the thinking? The mind. Okay. Um, we read uh, this morning in the Sabbath school. We had this text, uh, Jeremiah seventeen verse nine. It says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Another text. Right, First Samuel 16 verse 7. First Samuel 16 verse 7. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh where? On the heart. Uh, we seem to be living in a time like the book of Judges says here in uh, Judges 21, 25. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did which was right in his own eyes. In his own eyes. So in, 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 to sum it up, what I'm trying to say is, is that today we live in a world with a lot of information, right? Um, but all the information is not right. You get right information and you get wrong information. So uh, information without inspiration can lead to a wrong interpretation, right? If people want an explanation, they will rather go to a new translation, but what they really need is a revelation. That is why when you study, you must study with the right motive, motivation. That is why today I'm in this congregation, but you must do 
the investigation. But what the world actually really needs is a demonstration of what this gospel can do to bring about a transformation that will ultimately lead to the right destination. Our study today has seven points. You see the number seven is a number of perfection. Okay, don't get excited. I'm, I'm just warming up, all right? I'm just warming up. I haven't started yet. Yes. <laughs> um, the number seven is a number of perfection, number of completion. Number six is just one under that. You can almost say Im- imperfect. Uh, it's a number of limitation. Um, everything works in sevens. We talk about the seven wonders of the world. There's seven colors in the rainbow. Uh, right in the start in the Bible, the, the creation, seven days in a week. God created the world in six days. He ended his work in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. Um, we, today we're going to study about the seven feasts. The seven feasts of Israel is actually the seven feasts of God. And uh, you know, the, remember the story of the walls of Jericho? They marched around Jericho how many times? Seven times, and they blew the trumpets, and the walls came down. Naaman was dipped in the river, Jordan, seven times and was healed of his leprosy. Um, Joseph dreamt about seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. They heated up the fiery furnace up seven times hotter. Um, And so you can go right through the Bible, through the Old Testament, when you hit the New Testament, the Revelation, they talk about seven, seven churches, seven stars, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven spirits, seven thunders, everything in sevens, okay? Number seven is a perfect number. Number six is one short, okay? Number of limitation. But God also worked in cycles of seven. Every seventh year was known as the sabbatical year. Every 50th year was known as the jubilee. Seven times seven, 49 plus one, 50. Um, God created the world in six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. Right? They were the agricultural people. The children of Israel were the agricultural people. They worked on the land six years. The seventh year, the earth, the earth rest. We are in this world for how long? About 6,000 years. And then, Revelation 20 talks about the 1,000 years, the earth will rest again. All right? Um, number six is a number of limitation. Man was created on the sixth day. When they bury you, how, be, how deep do they bury you? Six foot, right? Or six foot six. Uh, when you go on pension, 60. How many books in the Bible? 66. The mark of the beast is the number of a man. What? Triple six. Um, when the world was destroyed by a flood, how old was Noah? He was 600. Yes. And even the sports world, they have the six and sevens in tennis and cricket, especially, you know, when they, when they hit the boundary in cricket, how many? Six, yes, yes. Dominoes, the largest number on the domino? Probably six. And so we can go on, even time. Even time is measured by six. Time, okay, how many, how many seconds, how many minutes in a second? 60, 60 seconds in a minute. And how many minutes in an hour? 60. And so we can go on, all right? But seven is the number of perfection. 
So we're going to start with point number one. We're going to talk about uh, perfection. They all start with letter P. These are the seven points. Number two is the problem. Number three is the plan. Number four, power. You, in your handout, you have a different, in the center, you have a different. We just got a little bit of change there in your handouts. Number five is the places of the sanctuary. Number six is prophecy. And number seven is prediction and fulfillment. All right, so we're going to start with number one, perfection. Perfection. Uh, when God created this world, everything he made was perfect. Um, in uh, our text, our first text we want to read, uh, God, uh, uh, Genesis 1:26, And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, what does it mean to be made in the image and the likeness of God? It means we are made like God in character. All right? Um, God is three. There are three persons in the Godhead. All right? First John 5, verse 7, it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word. Who is the Word? Jesus, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Okay? Um, so all three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are all equal, they are eternal, and they are all self-existent. And because God is three, man is three. All right? Let's read a text here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole, what? Spirit and what? Soul and what? Body. Be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We talk of physical, mental and spiritual. That's number one. Let's go to number two, the problem. Through man's disobedience, they fell into sin. We know the devil was behind it. And, uh, but the question is, what is sin? What is sin? I think the best definition in the Bible, 1 John 3 verse 4, it says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Okay, sin is breaking God's law. Which law is the Bible talking about? Ten Commandments, the moral law. Okay? Um, but now, the question is, what is the law? The law, there are many explanations. The law, first of all, is the standard of righteousness. It is the standard in the judgment. It is also a revelation of God's will. Psalm 40 verse 8, David writes, says, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Okay? Another word for a will is a testament. It's more expanded. The will of God is more expanded. The Old Testament and New Testament. But the fine details, the fine print is in the testimonies, the spirit of prophecy. 
It's also the, the, the law is also the, uh, the foundation of God's government. But more important, the law is a revelation of God's character. Okay? What God is, the law is. And what the law is, God is. You see all the characteristics of God? He's good, he's holy, he's perfect, he's pure, he's just, he's true, he's spiritual, he's righteous, he's faithful, he's love, he's unchangeable, and he's everlasting. Whatever God is, the law is. And what the law is, God is. So when God created man, man was perfect. His, 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 his character was in harmony with the law, in harmony with God's law. But sin marred the character. It was destroyed. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23, I don't have it on here, the wages, sorry, um, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay? And what is the penalty for breaking God's law? Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And uh, we don't want to die. So what is God going to do? How is he going to solve the sin problem? This brings us to number three. God has a plan. He was prepared. Okay? Um, the plan, there's different terms that can be used in the Bible, and there's different terms to, to explain the plan. It is the plan of salvation or the plan of redemption. Um, it is also... Um, what do I have there? What is happening here? Okay, I'm just going to skip all these. Okay. Um, the purpose of the plan of salvation, um, I'm just explaining to you. Uh, don't worry about that quote. I'll give you the quote just now. Um, the purpose of this plan is to restore the image that was lost in Eden. In Eden, it is to bring man back to his original perfection, to bring him back to a state of sinlessness, like Adam was before he sinned. All right. Um, there is a statement there in the book Education, page fifteen and sixteen that you can read. Okay, there's different ways. Uh, the, pack, uh, the plan of salvation, also, it's also termed character building. There's a reference there, uh, education page 2 to 5. Are we still together? All right. Um, now, in your handout, uh, it will be, the, the handouts work like this. Right at the top, it's alphabetical order, A, B, C, D, E. The, the paragraphs is numerical 1 to 3. Okay? So you'll find that reference on B1, B1. Okay? Um, Another term is also education. Education. You know, people always think of education as just something mental. But the Spirit of Prophecy says in Education, page 13, that uh, true education means the harmonious development of the physical, mental, and spiritual powers. Okay. It is also, uh, we also call the plan of salvation the gospel. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the gospel was first introduced in the Old Testament uh, through the sacrificial system. You know, that of killing or sacrificing animals, and in particular a lamb. Okay? And so they had this system, what's happening here? A 
don't know why this thing is running. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay. Do we have that statement there? The text, Revelation 13, verse 8. Do we have that statement there? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, okay, this whole system of ceremonies and, and laws and so forth, rituals, was known as a ceremonial law. Okay. And this whole sacrificial system pointed to Jesus, uh, the promised Messiah. And in Revelation 13, verse 8, it talks about Jesus. It says that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Okay? And then when, Je when Jesus was baptized, uh, John 1, 29, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So the gospel, uh, the sacrificial system, was the gospel in symbol, in figure. It was a type, it was an illustration, it was an object lesson, it was a model, it was a copy, it was a pattern, it was a shadow. So the, old, so the gospel was preached in the Old Testament through uh, types and symbols. Okay. Now, you'll find Jesus in the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. Um, jo uh, when Jesus was on earth, they only had the Old Testament. And in John 5.39, this is what Jesus said. He said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. The whole Bible testify of Jesus. Uh, there's a text in Luke also, 24, 27. Um, but when you look at the sacrificial system, um, it actually gives you glimpses of the gospel. Now, I want to ask you a question. When did the sacrificial system begin? Can anybody tell me, when did the sacrificial system begin? Yes, I heard. In the Garden of Eden, yes, it was Adam and Eve when they sinned. The moment they sinned, the sacrificial system uh, came into operation. Okay? Of course, they had to build an altar. They brought the lamb. They would put the hand on the, on the head of the lamb. They would confess their sin. The sin is transferred to the, to the lamb. And the lamb is slaughtered or killed. And that lamb represents Jesus that will come one day. Okay? And so we see glimpses of the gospel from Adam right up to, you know, they had the sacrifice at the altar, uh, Cain and Abel, um, Noah, um, Abraham, and so forth, right up until the time of Moses. Now we talk about 2,500 years. 2,500 years. Yeah, reference you can find in Great Controversy in the introduction. And... Um, until God said to Moses, our scripture reading this morning, Exodus 25, verse 8, are we there? Do we have it on the screen? And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Okay, so God gave Moses on the mount a vision of the original sanctuary, the original tabernacle, which is in heaven. And he had to make it according to the pattern that God showed him. And uh, that reference you'll find in uh, Hebrews 18, verse 5. All right? 
That brings us to point number four. Point number four is power. All right. Uh, I want to read us a text, Romans 1 verse 16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? The power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Uh, this power is found in the word of God. You know, God spoke this world into existence through the word of God. In uh, Psalm 33 verse 6 and verse 9, Psalm 33 verse 6, the Bible says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Uh, 33 verse 9, same chapter, verse, verse 9, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. God spoke this world into existence through the power of the word. All those planets that's hanging in the, in the air is hanging there by the power of the word. Uh, Jesus healed people through the power of the word. Um, and the same power that God used in creation is the same power he used in recreation, in redemption. Okay, creation is redemption. Uh, this, this word, the power of this word, will not only make you sinless, it, will, it can make you sinless. This brings us to the point, point, number, point number five. Place of the sanctuary. Places of the sanctuary. Okay? Um, if, you are, if you want to understand the gospel, you must understand the sanctuary. All right? Psalm 77 verse 13, it says, but David says, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Now, the sanctuary or the tabernacle was right in the center of the camp. And they were surrounded by the 12 tribes of Israel in perfect order. All right? Now, the sanctuary, how many parts does the sanctuary have? The whole camp, yes. The sanctuary that is closed up, it has. Three parts, okay? What, what, what are those three parts? The outer court, the, holy, the tabernacle itself, the holy place, and the most holy place. Okay, so there are different articles in different area. Okay, so uh, in the um, outer court, how many articles do we have there? We have two articles, okay? We have the altar of sacrifice, the altar of sacrifice, where the animals were sacrificed, and we also have what is known as the laver, where the, a basin where the priest would wash his hands and feet and so forth before he go into the, into the holy place. So uh, the altar of sacrifice, what did the altar of sacrifice point to? What did the altar of sacrifice, where they sacrificed the end, what did it point to? The what of Christ? The death of Christ, when he will be crucified when he will sacrifice his life as the Lamb of God. Okay, it pointed to his, to his death. Now, for many Christians, uh, you know, the, the death of Jesus on the, on the cross of Calvary, that is the, the end of the plan of salvation. But according to the sanctuary, that's only the beginning. They're only in a courtyard. They must all go, it, only, it ends in the most holy place where Jesus is currently interceding. Okay, so the atonement 
starts there in the courtyard, but it ends in the most holy place. Uh, I want to read a statement. Um, Great Controversy, page 488. Listen to what the sermon of the Lord says. The intercession of Christ in man's behalf in the sanctuary above is as, is as essential to the plan of salvation as was his death upon the cross. By his death, he began the work which after his resurrection, he ascended to complete in heaven. All right. So what, let's go now to the holy place. First apartment, the holy place. How many articles are there in the holy place? We notice there are three articles. We have the table of showbread. Uh, are we there by that picture? I'm back at the picture. Okay. Uh, in the holy place, the first apartment, you have the table of showbread, which represents Jesus, the bread of life. Then you have there the altar of incense, which represents the prayers that ascends to Jesus. And you also have the seven branch candlestick, which represents Jesus. He's the light of the world. And then you go into the most holy place. Uh, what article is there? The Ark of the Covenant. And what does it contain? The Ten Commandments, the law of God. Okay. Then, then we go to, the, they have, um, if we can move into the next slide there. Um, the, they had sacrifices and, and, and different services. Okay, they, they had a, what they know a daily service and they had a yearly service. Now the daily service consists, uh, actually happens nine o'clock in the morning, they call it the third hour, and they have it three o'clock in the afternoon, that's the evening sacrifice, they call it the ninth hour, okay? So in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, morning service, and the evening, three o'clock, the evening service. Now they did this every day, seven days a week. And the sacrificial system uh, from that time to the time of Jesus about 1,500 years. Okay, you can find it referenced in Great Controversy, page four, uh, 399. It's on your chart also, on your, on your chart, in your uh, handout. So that was the daily service. Then they also, then they had the yearly service. So this happened every day throughout the year, and then once a year, on the Day of Atonement. By the way, the Day of Atonement, we're going to study now the seven feasts. The Day of Atonement was the sixth feast. When the high priest will go into the most holy place to uh, make an atonement. Remember, every day people come, confess their sin, the high priest take the blood and it sprinkles in the uh, in, the, in the holy place, before the, uh, before the veil, there was a, a veil, that's a curtain that separates the holy from the most holy, and the sanctuary become defiled. And so once a year, the sanctuary must be cleansed. It is called the cleansing of the sanctuary. I want you to remember this, okay? The Day of Atonement is also known as the cleansing of the sanctuary. It was a day of judgment. Um, it was a time of... Um, um, repentance, sorrow for sin. Uh, you have to put, a, put away sin uh, and, and so for that. The people had to afflict their souls. Uh, you can read the whole 
chapter, Leviticus chapter 16, you'll, you'll find it there. And uh, then, of course, the, the high priest will take two lambs, two animals, two goats at least. He will take two goats, one for the Lord. That goat is sacrificed. And then another goat, uh, the sins of the people of the year is placed on that goat, the scapegoat. And that goat is taken into the, into the desert, into the wilderness. All right, so then the camp is clean again. Everybody is sinless. They can start again the new year. All right. All right, you must just follow your chart. There's a chart there, but there's a chart in front. Just follow the chart, okay? What we're going to do now, we're going to look at the seven feasts. We're going to look at the seven feasts, okay? On the chart here, uh, okay, let's move the slide. Um, seven feasts. You find this in Leviticus chapter 23. We won't be able to read every text and every statement uh, for the sake of time, okay? There were seven feasts, okay? Uh, the first four feasts uh, was known as the spring feasts, okay? Are you with me? And that happened in the first month. Now, the first month is not January according to their calendar, okay? They have a different calendar. They have, they have two calendars, a, a secular and a religious calendar, okay? So, uh, their first month was toward the end of March, beginning April. They, they, had, they worked on a, a lunar cycle, the moon, the cycle of the moon. They had a lunar calendar, okay? Um, so, the first feast was the Passover, okay? And uh, these feasts, they celebrated as a memorial uh, or as a reminder of what God has done for them uh, the as they traveled um, through the desert, okay? And uh, these uh, feasts were not only commemorative or typical, it was also prophetic. Pointed to the back, to the past, and also pointed uh, to the future. All right? All right, are we, are we online? Technical people, are we online? Okay, I'll just make sure, <laughs> okay? Uh, so these feasts, these feasts will, will fall on any day, okay? On a Sunday, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it doesn't matter. It will fall on any day. But when this feast, they, they, they call it a Sabbath, with a, cap, a small s, a Sabbath. But when it falls on the seventh-day Sabbath, they call it a high Sabbath, okay? So the first uh, feast, the Passover, they celebrated because, remember the time when they were slaves in Egypt and how God delivered them? The, the ten plagues, remember that Pharaoh didn't want to let them go, and then the nine plagues was, uh, uh, fell on them, they didn't want, he didn't want to let them go, and then God sent the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. And God instructed the children of Israel, they must take a lamb, and uh, kill the lamb, and take the blood, and put it on the doorposts. And uh, when the angel of death would come, and when he sees the blood, he will pass over. That's where the term come from, he would pass over and they will be saved. And that blood represents the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Okay, so that story you'll find in Exodus 11 and Exodus chapter 12. Okay, so that was the first month. It was on the 14th. The first month on the 14th. Okay, I want you to put on your thinking caps. Okay, I want you to concentrate. Uh, I want you to take out your... We're going to do a lot of maths and arithmetic this morning. Take out your calculators. Okay, so... Uh, all right, the Passover, the first month, uh, on the 14th. 
The next feast, that's Leviticus 23 verse 5, the next feast is the feast of unleavened bread. That's Leviticus 23 verse 6. This feast was the next day, the 15th. The 15th. But they celebrate this feast for seven days. So from the 15th to the 21st. They also used to have an eighth day. We'll, we'll come to that. Okay, the unleavened bread, actually, uh, they, when they celebrated this feast, they had to put away all the leaven, all the yeast. They must put away because the leaven or the yeast represents sin. All right? And then the third feast was the, was the feast of the first fruits. That is the very next day. So the 14th is the Passover, 15th unleavened bread, the 16th is the first fruits. It's now, remember, it's springtime, they take the, a bunch of the first crop and they wave it, the priest will wave it in, in the sanctuary in front of the Lord. Okay? First fruits. Okay. All right. That is the first three. And now, three times a year, they would travel to Jerusalem. They would travel three times. And, um, but these seven feasts were split into three clusters. So this, this first three, this was their first journey. Okay? Then comes the fourth feast. The fourth feast comes 50 days later. 50 days later. Okay? This was now May, June. Alright? And this is now early summer. That's almost two months later. This is the second trip that they go to Jerusalem. Alright? Now, these four feasts Next slide here. These first four feasts, they point to the events related or connected to the first coming of Jesus. Okay, will you remember that? The first four point to the first coming of Jesus. All right. Now let's carry on. Uh, this is now the third journey. The third journey, they call this the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, the third journey. And uh, this was now in autumn. This is now during the fall. Okay? This, this happened in the seventh month. Now, their seventh month is not July. It is September, October. In September, beginning October. Okay? Uh, maybe I should just explain quickly um, uh, the calendar. You see, our calendar is a Roman calendar. Right? Now, um, September, the word September comes from, from the word septenary, it means seventh. October from the word octo, octagonal, octopus, it means eight. November comes from the word novena, it means ninth. December comes from the word deca, decimal, it means ten. So seventh, September was seven, October eight, November nine, December ten, January eleven, February twelve. The financial year, end of February, March was the first month. That's how they operated. Okay, got an idea? Okay, um, but they work on the lunar cycle, the cycle of the moon. So the fifth feast, the fifth feast was the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets. That was on the first day of the seventh month. Okay? Because remember that I'm going to ask you a lot of questions when we get to the fulfillment of these feasts. Okay? You must put on your thinking caps. All right? Okay. That was the blowing of trumpets. To, that was an indication that judgment is coming. 
because the very next feast is the sixth feast is the day of atonement we spoke about the day of atonement remember um, when the high priest will go into the most holy place okay to cleanse the sanctuary that come 10 days later that is on the 10th okay that's leviticus uh, 23 verse 27 to 29 the trumpets is verse 24 okay the first day trumpets the 10th day day of atonement i want to remember that okay the difference between the fifth and the sixth is 10 days then the last one the feast of tabernacles that's leviticus 23 34 to 36 this comes five days later after the day of atonement that's on the 15th on the 15th okay and that feast they keep for seven days from the 15th till the 21st then they also have what is called known as the eighth day at the eighth day okay um i wonder if we should, maybe we should just read that text Let, let's turn to Levit, uh, leviticus 23 let's read verse let's read that verse uh, 34 to 36 genesis exodus leviticus the third book uh, leviticus 23 and uh, let us read uh, because i want to ask you a question i want to read this because i want to ask you a question uh, 23 verse 34 to 36 24 23 34 to 36 34 says speak unto the children of israel saying the 15th day of this seventh month shall he shall do no servile work therein. Seven days he shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be an holy convocation unto you, and he shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and he shall do no servile work therein. All right. So for seven days they celebrate from the 15th to the 21st. Then they had the eighth day, which will fall on the 20. Now it's from the seven days from the 15th to the 21st then they have an extra day the eighth day which will be on the 22nd 22nd i want you to remember that when i ask you a question on the 22nd all right now the day of atonement the, the, the sixth feast if you to the sixth feast the sixth feast if you didn't participate in the sixth feast you were cut off okay so there we have the seven feasts now we said the first, the first four feasts pointed to the first coming and the last three feasts last three feasts if we click over there the last three feasts points to events related and connected to the second coming okay so the second coming of jesus now we come to point number six now interesting now we're getting to the interesting part okay now we're gonna we're gonna look now at the seven thousand years where do i get the seven thousand years okay one sin one sin is costing god now seven thousand years to solve seven thousand years okay um looking at the seven thousand years when i have that do we have that on the screen looking at the seven thousand years 
Do we have that there? Just put that on the screen there. Not, not that one. There we go. Looking at the seventh, are we, are we there? Looking at the 7,000 years? Okay, yes. So 6,000 years on earth and 1,000 years in heaven. Where do we get the 1,000 years? Revelation chapter 20. The millennium, we call it the millennium. Revelation chapter 20 talks about the millennium, a thousand years. So, 6,000. Okay? Where do we get the 6,000? There's many people really don't believe that we are this, in this world for about 6,000 years. So, this is now for the, you know, the evolutionists that say we're in this world for millions and millions of years. I, I, have, um, I have seven facts to prove the 6,000 years. Okay? And this is also for the for the skeptics, the skeptics, um, you know, um, we always warn people about the Pharisees, that they are dangerous, but the, you know, the Sadducees, they're even more dangerous. The Sadducees, they were the skeptics of the church. Did you know the Sadducees, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection? The Sadducees didn't believe in the existence of angels? The Sadducees didn't believe in the afterlife? They were the skeptics. And you know, they were the leaders of the church during the time of Jesus. Caiaphas and Annas, they were Sadducees. Today we have modern Sadducees in the church. I'm going to give you seven facts to prove the 6,000 years. Okay. Point number one. Archaeology. You know archaeology? You know, the fossil records, the flood. Now the expert there, we know Prof Professor Walter Feit. He's the expert on that. That's his field, okay? The second fact is chronology. You know, the records of the history, the dates and the times. You can, you can look it up in the secular and in also in the biblical history. Number three, the pioneers. The pioneers believed in this 6,000 or 7,000 year period. Uh, here are just a few names. William Miller, S.S. S. Snow, Stephen Haskell, James and Ellen White. Uh, but there was a, a man named, by the name of John Andrews. John in Andrews. He believed in this. In fact, he wrote six articles regarding this in the Review and Herald. There's just one of his statements in your, in your handout. Uh, it's also in there. Um, I'm forgetting to, to talk to the people with the handouts. But you find it on page C2. C2. Okay, there's a statement there where it says, Thus the period of 7,000 years is cut from the eternity of the past and from the eternity in the future. That's in the Review and Herald in 1883. He wrote six articles. There's, there's a man by the name of Edward Reed, a settler that, that, in a corner that book there. He wrote a, a few articles on that, in that book, uh, even at the door, Edward Reed. Um, you can even find it there. But he wrote about it. And we have a university named after him. What university? Andrews University. Okay? Then the fourth uh, proof is we have a formula in the Bible. We have a formula in 2 Peter 3 verse 8. Peter says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as how many? A thousand years. And a thousand years as? As one day. Then in Psalm 90 verse 4, Psalm 90 verse 4 says, For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. So when a thousand years has gone by, to God it's like, Yesterday. 
if 6,000 years has gone by, to God it's like, like six days, not even a week. Not even a week. All right. So uh, here we're dealing with, with real time, actual time. This is not prophetic time. Uh, in prophecy, a day stands for a year. Okay, that is, that is prophetic time. There's a text in Numbers 14.34 and Ezekiel 4 verse 6. Okay. Um, okay, I have that. I want to move over to the fifth, the fifth fact. Okay, the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus. Now, in the spirit of prophecy, there's over 40 statements that talks about the 6,000 years. Okay? I'm just reading your one. In your, in your, in your handout, you will find that in C, C3. Am I right there? C3, I think. Yes. The great controversy, page 518. The great controversy between Christ and Satan that has been carried forward for nearly how long? For how long? Are we there? 6,000 years is soon to close. The servant of the Lord wrote this almost 200 years ago. This is the great controversy for 6,000 has nearly come to, an, to a close. Okay? Then, the sixth fact. The sixth fact. We used to sing about it. In all hymnals we had, we sang about the 6,000 years. We don't have it in a new hymnal. This was the old SDA hymnals and church hymnals. Uh, in, in your handout, if you look in your handout, in your handout, it's on, uh, you have it there? Page F. Page F. Um, the first stanza, first line says, Holy day Jehovah's rest of creation's week the best. Last of all the chosen seven, blessed of God to man was given. The second line says, first the six days work was done, then the Sabbath was begun. Thus he blessed the seventh day, thus in resting we obey. The third stanza says, thousands have his plan reversed, resting now upon the first. Search the book and you shall know there's no scripture tells them so. And here it comes, verse, the fourth, the fourth line says, All who speak the truth must say, It was man who changed the day. Originally, originally when they started out the writing out, they said it was the Pope who changed the day. And then it says, In God's word, no change appears through the whole 6,000 years. Even the hymns, we used to sing it. That was the sixth fact. The seventh fact is genealogy. Let's switch over to genealogy. Now, I don't have time to go through all this, but I'll just mention. You know, when we studied last quarter about the, remember the book of Genesis, genealogy? We want to trace the line of the Messiah where Jesus will come through. Uh, here's just a little example, exercise. Um, how many, I want to ask you, how many generations was there from Adam until Jesus came? Does anybody know? We're going to take a guess. Okay, we're going to go through it quickly. You see there, um, in Genesis chapter 5, this is before the flood, there was 10 generations. Do you see it there? 10 generations from Adam to Noah. 10 generations. After the flood, Genesis chapter 11, you see the other column there? Uh, Noah's son Shem, from Shem to Abraham, was another 10 generations, so that is how many altogether? 
20 generations. From, so from Adam to Abram is 20 generations. Now, if you go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 17, you can look it up again. It gives you the, the generation from Abraham to Jesus. Okay, so the first 20 from Adam to Abram was 20 to Abraham. Now, Matthew chapter 1 starts again with Abraham. So we, we're counting it twice. So just remember, we must, we must deduct one. Just keep that in mind. So Matthew chapter 1 starts with Abraham, and it says there, chapter 1 verse 17, it says, from Abram to David was 14 generations. And then from David to Daniel is another 14 generations. And then from Daniel to Jesus, another 14 generations. Three 14s. What is three 14s? How many is three times 14? 42. We have 42 and we had 20. So how many is that? 62. Minus the one. So that will be 61. 61 generations. After 60 generations. Remember the number of limitation? After 60 generations, the Messiah came. By the way, how many general conferences did we or, we, or have we celebrated since the church was organized in 1863? The last one we had now in June. How many, what, what general, general conference was this? How many? 61. 61. Isn't that amazing? Is that a coincidence? 61 generations from Adam till Jesus. We celebrate the 61st general conference. Coincidence or providence? There you have seven facts. Seven facts. I want you to read your statement here. Okay, I'm, I'm just explaining to you this. Okay, here's a statement from Acts of the Apostles. Sorry, Acts of the Apostles. We're talking about 7,000 years. This whole prophecy is 7,000 years. Now the servant Lord says here, Acts of the Apostles, page 14, the whole system of types and symbols was a compacted prophecy of the gospel, a presentation in which were bound up the promises of redemption do you, do you understand what what the servant lord is saying here she is saying that the sacrificial system with the seven feasts was a compacted prophecy of the whole plan of salvation it has been the seven thousand has been condensed or encapsulated okay the word Compact means you take something large and you put it into something small, right? We talk of a combo, you know, when you go to buy a combo, you take a whole lot of things into one. Or encapsulate, you know, like a tablet. You, all the vitamins and minerals, mineral, minerals and everything, all the, it's in one tablet or one, one uh, capsule, okay? So the whole 7,000 years has been, comp it's a compacted prophecy, okay? The whole 7,000 years is the whole plan of salvation uh, of the cycle of one Jewish year. One Jewish year, cycle of one year. The 7,000 years have been compacted. Okay. Now, point number seven. Now we come to the highlight. This is where it gets the most interesting. 
Okay? Prediction and fulfillment. We're going to look now at the seven feasts. That was the, in the Old Testament, that was the type. Now we're going to look at the fulfillment, which is the antitype. Type meets antitype. Okay? Now here's a statement, uh, great controversy, page 399. The sermon of the Lord says, These types were fulfilled not only as to the event, but as to the time. So the event, the type, and the time must correspond. Okay? Are you with me? Okay. Now let's look at... Um, remember we said the first four, the first four feasts points to the first coming. Okay? We're we, we starting now with the, with the first four. Okay? In fact, the first three, the, the, the first three feasts actually point to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, as we will see. Okay? The first one was Passover. Okay? Now, during the time when Jesus was on earth, it was the year AD 31. Remember, three years ago, about three years back, Jesus was baptized in what year? AD 20? 27. Yes, he was baptized. And AD 31, it was Passover, this was the first journey, the people came to Jerusalem, and on what day, at what, what month was, was the Passover? What month? The first month on what day? On the 14th. On the 14th. So, AD 31, the first month, on the 14th, do you know what day it was? It was a Friday. We call it Good Friday. What happened on that day? Jesus was crucified. Do you know what time they put him on the cross? What, what time was the, the, there was two daily services, the morning service and the evening service. The morning was nine o'clock. They put him on the cross at nine o'clock. He was on the cross till three o'clock, six hours. And exactly at three o'clock, when the priest was about to slay that lamb, what happened? The curtain between the Holy Mosley split open in two from top to bottom and the animal escaped. Why did that happen? It means that the sacrificial system came to an end and Jesus as the substitute died in the place. Exactly on time. The first month, the 14th, the evening sacrifice at 3 o'clock, he said, it is finished. Exactly on time. That was on Friday. It was on Friday. Then, um, do you know how many, for how many years, do you know for how many years, that was, how many years do you think the sacrificial state came to an end? How many? 4,000. I'm going to read your statement just now. 4,000 years since Adam and Eve until Jesus died was 4,000 years. We're going to come to that. Okay, so the first feast possible on the 14th, the next feast was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The next day, that is the 15th. And remember, they set this feast for seven, seven days, from the 15th till the 21st. Okay, 
That feast, the day after, after the crucifixion, after Friday, was the Sabbath. And because that feast fell on the, on the Sabbath, it was a high Sabbath. John 19.31, you can read that. Okay? And on that day, where was Jesus? He was in the grave. Unleavened bread. Leaven, yeast represents sin. Jesus was without sin. He was sinless. He laid in, laid in the grave. Okay? Then the next, the next day, the next feast is the feast of first fruits. The very next day was the 16th. Okay? 14th, Passover. 15 unleavened bread. 16, the first fruit. What does the first fruit represent? It represents his resurrection. It represents his resurrection. Okay? The first fruits. Um, in fact, uh, when Jesus was resurrected, that Sunday, that was on Sunday, of course, remember? Friday was crucified. He was resurrected. The first day of the week, which is Sunday, and the day between Friday and Sunday is the, is the Sabbath. What day becomes between Friday and Sabbath? Sorry, between Friday and Sunday. What do, what do, we, what do we call it? S Saturday. Saturday, right? That is the true Sabbath. It was the custom of Jesus, Luke 4, 16, that he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, on Saturday. The seventh day, that was the true Sabbath. And the uh, uh, Hebrews 13, 8 says, uh, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Past, present, and future. I would rather follow Jesus in true Sabbath keeping. What do you say? Amen. Amen. Sunday is not the Sabbath. Okay. And then, of course, Jesus went, Jesus went to heaven. Where did Jesus go? Okay. Uh, uh, he went to heaven. There was a ceremony there to accept him. He presented himself as the first fruit, and also there were those who rose with him, remember? He presented him as the first fruits. And after the eighth day, he came back. Remember, I said it was eight days. You can read that eight days, eight days later, John 20, 26. All right? Um, now, remember the sacrificial system came to an end. Let us read the statement there in uh, Desire of Ages, page 652, in your handout, it's right at the back, right at the back of your handout. The servant of the Lord says there, Christ was standing at the point of transition between two economies and the two great festivals. He, the spotless Lamb of God, was about to present himself as a sin offering that he would thus bring to an end the system of types and ceremonies that for how long? 4,000 years had pointed to his what? To his death, not his baptism, to his death. Remember that type, the event and the time must correspond to his death. As he ate the Passover with his disciples, he instituted in its place the service that was to be the memorial of his great sacrifice. The national festival of the Jews was to pass away, how long? Forever. The service which Christ established was to be observed by his followers in all lands and through all ages. So in other words, it's not necessary for us to sacrifice animals anymore. 
in its place, Jesus instituted, what did Jesus institute in its place? Sorry? The, the, in other words, we don't have to celebrate Passover physically like they did. Yes, he replaced it with communion service. Um, I'm going to get a text. There's a text. Let's move over that text there for us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7. Let's flip over there. Do we have a text there on the screen? Okay, there it is. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Okay, so the communion service is now the spiritual Passover. We, do, we don't celebrate it literally. This is the, we celebrate it through the communion service. The communion service represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Are you, are you with me? Okay. Um, but the Jews continued with their useless sacrifices, the servant Lord says. They still continued up till today. They're still sacrificing animals, even the Muslims. Why? Why? Why do you think they, they do it? Or why do they do it? Why do they continue with the sacrificial system, sacrificing animals? Sorry? They didn't accept Christ as the, as the Messiah, as the Savior. They rejected, in fact, they rejected him. The Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, how do you think is it possible? How is it possible? I mean, you have all the prophecies, you have all the, the sanctuary service, you have all the feasts. You, you can see how it, it worked out exactly. You, you can't make a mistake. How could they have rejected Jesus as the Messiah? There are several reasons. One of the reasons is three sins that they committed. They all started letter P. The first sin was pride, prejudice, and preconceived ideas. These are dangerous sins. And the greatest, the most dangerous sin, is which one do you think? Pride. I want to, I want to read you a statement uh, in the spirit of prophecy that Ellen White talks about pride. Christ's Observations, page 152. Christ's Observations, 152, he says, There is nothing so offensive to God or so dangerous to the human soul as what? Pride and self-sufficiency. Of all sins, it is the most hopeless, the most incurable. That is dangerous. The root of pride is self. Lucifer fell because of self-exaltation. Adam and Eve fell because of self-indulgence. Peter fell because of self-confidence. They teach you that you must feel good about yourself, boost the self-image, have self-esteem. But the Bible teaches you the opposite. Jesus, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. Crucify self, sacrifice self, empty of, of self, pride. You know, we all struggle that the greatest battle is the battle against self. You know, some of us have got a little bit of self, some have got more than self, halfway, some have got three quarters of self, and some of us are full of ourselves. Pride, very dangerous, very dangerous, okay? The scholars, the, the gangsters talk again, okay? The gangsters talk, they say that guy is full of himself. That's, that's what it is, pride. Okay? Now, the devil actually set up the church. He set up the church. He, he used the leaders 
He used the leaders. Um, uh, another reason why they rejected Jesus is because the leaders actually um, kept them away from studying these prophecies that deal with the, with the coming of the Messiah uh, and so forth. And they prevented them from studying, like we're studying now, the, to calculate the dates and the time and so forth. They, they, they couldn't do it. If anybody would do this, what we're doing, they would, they would, they would, be, they would be cursed. A curse would be pronounced upon them. They would even stand the chance of being thrown out of church. I want, to, I want to read you a statement here in the spirit of prophecy. Listen to this statement. This is Great Controversy 376. In your, in your handout, it's uh, B for bold, B3. B3. Just the part that's highlighted. Listen to what the servant Lord says here. It says there, the prophecy of Daniel pointed so unmistakably to the time of Messiah's coming and so directly foretold his death that they discouraged its study. And finally, the rabbis pronounced a what? A curse on all who should attempt a computation of the time. No wonder they rejected Jesus. No wonder. So the devil used the leaders to reject Jesus at his first coming. He set the church up. Now, if he did that to them at the first coming, what do you think is he not going to planning to do with us that is waiting for his second coming? Here's another statement. Do we have this statement? Listen to this one. Selected message, book 1, page 406. Selected message, book 1, page 406. Listen to what the servant of the Lord says here. She says, we want to understand the time in which we live. We do not half understand it. We do not half take it in. My heart trembles in me when I think of what a foe we have to meet and how poorly we are prepared to meet him. The trials of the children of Israel and their attitude just before the first coming of Christ have been presented before many, how many times? Again and again to illustrate what? The position of the people of God in their experience before the second coming of Christ. How the enemy sought every occasion to take control of the minds of the Jews. And today he is seeking to blind the minds of God's servants that they may not be able to discern the precious truth. Can you see what's happening? Can you see what's happening? Let's bring that note. Let's go to the fourth, the fourth feast, Pentecost. The fourth feast. How many days after the third? The third feast was... First fruits. How many days later does Pentecost come? 50 days later, Pentecost come. And uh, how do they arrive at Pentecost? Uh, this was the fulfillment. Uh, 50 days later, in Acts 2 verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now, how did they arrive at that 50? Uh, remember when at the third feast, the first fruit, Jesus ascended to heaven. He came back again uh, after that, on the eighth day. And he was on earth with, with uh, those who were resurrected. They were on earth for how long? Forty days. You are right. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Acts 1, verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he was with them for 40 days. And after 40 days, he went to heaven. The ascension. Where did Jesus go at his ascension? 
to the holy place, the first apartment of the heavenly sanctuary, the holy place. And what, what year was that? What year? The date? A.D. 31. Remember 31 he was crucified? That's that, uh, um, that same, in fact, he, he went to heaven, yes, A.D. 31. Okay? A.D. 31. Remember, this was just 50 days, two months, almost two months later. But this was, it was the year A.D. 31. Just remember that? The, okay? So, on earth, 40 days, and then Jesus went to heaven. Where was the disciples? They went to the upper room for how long? 10 days. So, 40 plus 10 gives you? There you have a 50. Exactly. 50 days later, Spirit, Jesus was at anointing service and the Holy Spirit was poured out 50 days later exactly on time. These were the first four feasts that pointed to his first coming. So if it happened at his first coming, if this happened exactly on time at his first coming, then we must expect that the other, other feasts will happen exactly on time for his second coming. Listen to the statement. Listen to the statement. Next one, Great Controversy 399. Great Controversy 399, she says, in like manner, the types which relate to the second advent must be fulfilled at the time appointed out in the symbolic service. Okay, remember we, the, the statement we said that the types were fulfilled not only as to the event, but also as to the Time. The event and the time must correspond. Okay, so now we come to the fifth feast. The fifth feast. The fifth feast was the feast of trumpets. Now, when was that fulfilled? Has, the, has that feast, feast been fulfilled already? Are we, or are we still looking for that feast? Fulfilled already? Okay, now, I, before I'm going to tell you that when it was fulfilled, um, there's a theory going around that says that this feast is still future and the fifth feast is the, fe is, is, is the secret rapture. Have you heard of the secret rapture? In Afrikaans, those Christians will just be snatched away and then, then uh, they will be snatched away, then there will be persecution or tribulation on earth for seven years. They will be, they'll be persecuted by the Antichrist and then um, you'll be persecuted for, uh, sorry, just bring that back. They've been persecuted for seven years, and then uh, it's a whole complicated story, but it's a false theory. Uh, the secret, in fact, the secret of the secret rapture is there's no secret rapture, okay? People have been predicting about the secret rapture since I was a child. I'm over 60. Every year they say Jesus is coming, the secret rapture is coming, but it never comes, okay? Where do they get this idea from? Where did it come from? This idea has its roots in Catholicism. Okay? This whole thing happened when uh, the, 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 the reformers, Martin Luther and all these people, when they studied the prophecies, especially uh, Daniel chapter 8, um, the, the longest time prophecy. Now we can have that uh, illustration there on the screen. Just put that illustration on the screen there for us. At the back. Um, Let's put that sketch up there again. The 2,300 day prophecy. Um, they, um, what, what happened was, is that um, 
This prophecy, the 2,300 days, uh, Daniel 8 verse 14, which says, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Um, this prophecy uh, points, uh, show you the Antichrist. In fact, God, this whole chapter 7 of Daniel 8 and 9, points to the intercessory, most holy place, intercessory uh, ministry of Jesus in the most holy place in the heavenly sanctuary. But the Antichrist counterfeited that. They introduced a false heavenly ministry uh, uh, illustration, but they did it on earth. And, 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 and the reformers, Martin Luther, and all these people, they, they, they exposed this, and they pointed to the papacy as the Antichrist. And so what they did to divert people's minds, they introduced this secret rapture theory. That's where this comes in. But the correct one, the, the pioneers, William Miller and all his people, they studied the 2,000-day prophecy. And they studied according to the Bible method, a day for an hour. And they discovered that this prophecy starts, when does this prophecy start? 457, and it ends in 1844. The text says, Dan 8.14, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And they said that Jesus is coming October 22, 1844. Right? And, uh, but Jesus never came. So what happened? There was a great disappointment. There was nothing wrong with the dates and the times. Everything was accurate. There, the event was wrong. Okay? And how did it come to October 22, by the way? They, 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 it's easy to work out a date, but the, how did it come to October 22? The only way you get there, remember I asked you to remember that the 22nd, remember that the feast for seven days, from the 15th to the 21st, then they had the eighth day on the 22nd. The only way you're going to get it is to, is to study the feast. That's why it's important to study the feast. You see how it works? Okay, so the cleansing of the sanctuary under 2,000 then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Now, what term or what feast does that point to? The cleansing of the sanctuary. What feast? Not the trumpets. The cleansing of the sanctuary. The day of atonement, the sixth feast. So that 1844 was the fulfillment of the sixth feast. Jesus didn't come to earth. What happened? In October 22, 1844, what happened? What actually happened? Sorry? Yes, Jesus went from the holy to the most holy place. Remember in AD 31, when he ascended to heaven, AD 31, he was in the holy place from AD 31 till 1844. If you look at your, at your chart, how many years is that? 1,813 years in the holy place. Then from 1844 up till today, Jesus is in the most holy place. How many years is that? From 1844 till now. In fact, this year, October 22, it will be 178 years. The investigative judgment, the cleansing of the sanctuary. We are living in the day of the antitypical day of atonement. It's a time of affliction. It's a time of judgment where sin must be put away and so forth. Remember the day of atonement. We are living in the day of the cleansing of the saints. That was the sixth feast. The sixth feast. But we didn't do the fifth feast. 
the first feast, remember? Remember the, the first feast, the feast of trumpets, what, what, that was in the seventh month on what day? The first. And the atonement came how many days later? Ten days. Ten days. There was ten days difference. So 1844 was the antitype, 1844. And in the, in the antitype, if you go ten years back from 1844, ten years will bring you to what date? 1844, 10 days back, 1834, 1834. Now the year before that, 1833, he got his license to preach in 1833 at the end of the year, toward the end of the year, November. He was a member of the Baptist Church. So from 1834 till 1844, the trumpet was sounding, judgment is coming. Revelation chapter 4, the first angel's message said, the hour of his judgment has come. That's the fifth feast. Fifth feast, sixth feast, then we only have one feast left, the Feast of Tabernacles. When is the Feast of Tabernacles? Okay, we had that. When will that happen? So the sixth feast must bring the 6,000 years to an end so that the seventh feast can start. So the 6,000 years will be at when Jesus comes. Okay? So how, many, how much time do we have still left to complete the 6,000? Okay? That's where people get nervous. Uh, people say you make... Uh, you make, uh, you're setting dates, okay? Uh, do you think it's, it's important for us to know how near Christ's coming is? Do you think it's important? Let, let us read this statement. Let us read Great Controversy 370 and 373, okay? We're wrapping up now, okay? Listen to what the servant Lord says here. She says, remember the people would mock, the, this says the Bible says the last day they will come uh, mockers, okay? Um, they, they mock William Muller also. Okay, and they quote Matthew 24, 36, where it says, No man know the day nor the hour. Remember that text? Now, this is what the servant Lord says on that text. He says, Though no man knoweth the day nor the hour of his coming, we are instructed and required to know when it is near. We are further taught that to disregard his warning and refuse or neglect to know when his advent is near will be as fatal for us. What does the word fatal mean? deadly as it was for those who lived in the days of Noah not to know when the flood was coming. Can you see how important it is? Can you see how important it is? So when is Jesus coming and when does the 7,000 years, the 6,000 years end? Now, yes, people have made predictions. There are three specific dates they've made. They said the year 2000, 2027, or 20, 2031. Where did they come up with these dates? While the people have worked out, if you look at your chart, the 4,000 years from Adam till Jesus' time was 4,000 years. Remember we read it, 4,000 from Adam till Jesus, 4,000. Where does the 4,000 end? Now the first group said it ends at his birth. So 4,000 is birth, so if you add 2,000, it will bring you to 6,000. So the year 2,000, Jesus will come. So the year 2,000 came and went, and nothing happened. So that is wrong. 
The next date people give is the year 2027. Now, this is, I believe, in the secret rapture. Uh, two years ago in 2020, they said the secret rapture will happen in 2020, and then there's seven years of tribulation, and then Jesus will come at the sixth feast of the Day of Atonement in 2027. Other people have, uh, how they come to that date, is the baptism of Jesus. And what day was, or what year was Jesus baptized? 8027. So if you add 2000, it will bring you to 2027. But that can't also be right because remember the, the, the statement says the event and the time must correspond. If you look at the Passover in the courtyard, it pointed to his what? To his death. And when did, in what year did Jesus die? AD 31. That is the next, this is the next date. That's why if you take 4,000 plus, uh, right? It will bring you to 2031. Are you with me? Okay. Uh, if you add 2,000 to 31, it'll bring you to 2031. That's, uh, that's, that's more, more accurate. But that date is also wrong. It's, it's very close, but it's also wrong because we're dealing with different dates. The Jewish calendar had 30 days, 12 months, 360 days a year. Our calendar is a Roman calendar. How many days do we have in our calendar a year? 365, so that's five days extra for the last 2,000 and almost 22 years. If you add up all those five days, you're going to end up like something like 10,000 days, which is roughly about 27, 28 years that we are over. And, that, and what about the leap years? And there's also four years when they introduced the calendar, they didn't add into the calendar. So there's a lot of things. Um, so, there's a lot of things you need to take into consideration, but people, that, that's very close. Let me just end off by, by saying this. Um, There's only one person that I know that God gave the day and the hour of his coming. Do you know what it is? Sorry? I'm not talking about a human being. There was only one person God gave the day and the hour of his coming. And that person God gave the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. Did you know that? Ellen White. God gave to Ellen White the day coming. You're probably shocked and surprised, but let us read a statement. Early writings, we're going to end off with a statement. Um, early writings, page 15, she wrote, gave her, uh, this is what she wrote. She says, Soon we heard the voice of God like many waters, which gave us the day and the hour of Jesus' coming. The loving saints, 144,000 in number, knew and understood the voice while the wicked thought it was thunder and an earthquake. Okay, by the day and the hour. But of course she was in vision that time. And when she came out of the vision, she couldn't remember. She knew that God gave it to her. Remember what Nebuchadnezzar, God gave a dream to Nebuchadnezzar? And when he came out of the dream, he couldn't remember. He knew he had a dream, but he couldn't remember. Same thing. But just before Jesus comes, there's going to be some people he will give the day and the hour he's coming. That is, she wrote there, the 144,000. And also those will come up 
in the special resurrection. Ellen White will be in the special resurrection. That's a topic on its own. Just before he comes, there's a special resurrection. Ellen White will also be there. That's why they will, he will give it to them. Friends, God's prophetic clock stopped in 1844. If the people had to give the three angels message, if the people had to give the three angels message in 1844, because the people rejected the three angels message during that time, if they had to accept the three angels message and given the message, Jesus would have come already. So there's been a delay. So who's delaying? Is Christ delaying or are we delaying? We are delaying his coming. We can hasten his coming. We are living on borrowed time. So what is Christ waiting for? This is our last statement. This is our last statement. Christ's object lessons, page 69. Christ's object lessons, 69. The servant Lord says, Christ is waiting, how? With longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. So when Jesus comes, saints will go to heaven, tabernacles spend a thousand years in heaven. Friends, the handwriting is on the wall for this world. The people see the handwriting, but they can't interpret like in the time of Babylon. The only people that can interpret correctly, God is blessed with, is the Seventh-day Adventists. They are the people that can interpret correctly. May God bless us and may God help us to be faithful to this wonderful truth that God has blessed us and shared with others. Amen.